Thank you for checking out the podcast of Eastern Assembly of God in Baltimore, Maryland. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us at www.easternassembly.org. Amen. Amen. He is. Thank you so much. Pastor, thank you so much for having us. We are so blessed to be here. Rachel, you guys have incredible pastors. They are gifts to this area. Can you say amen? They are. They are. And you saw the 2017 um, video. I showed the 2018 in the first service. Last year, we had 320 team members on our team. It was incredible. And we saw over 900 people come to Christ. Can you say praise the Lord? Hallelujah. You know, in the 21 years of going to the Dominican Republic, and we gather together all these supplies and all these medical needs, this is, this year, we surpassed taking 250. $57 million of donated medicine and medical supplies into the country and giving it to the precious people of the Dominican Republic. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. Hallelujah. The public health department has let us know that we have conservatively impacted 22% of their entire nation. Hallelujah. And so we still have a little work to do. Amen? Praise God. But we've seen over 250000 thousand Dominicans give their lives to Christ and funneled into the local churches. Come on! It's all about being changed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are so grateful that uh, God has allowed us to be there for such a time as this. We've seen one president give his life to Christ under our ministry. We've also seen seven of his cabinet members give their lives to Christ under our ministry. And now they're helping us to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ in that country. Isn't that awesome? Only God can do that. So we're so grateful, and we would love for you to be a part of our team. You say, well, you're not medical. Well, neither am I. If I operate on you, you shall surely die. That's all there is to it. But uh, we need 65% of our team to be non-medical, 65 to 70% of our team to be non-medical to facilitate the medical side of our missionary endeavor. So we invite you. We need youth for evangelism. We need construction workers. We need doctors, nurses, surgeons, security, logistics, pharmacists, dentists, optometrists. We need intercessory prayer workers, youth, and children. People for youth and children's ministry. We need translators, man. If you can speak Spanish, me no habla espanol, lo siento, mi amigo. That's it. I don't. I am sorry. That's all I know. And so we need you to come on the trip with us. And, uh, you know, you say, well, I can't do any of those things, but I feel something. You know what? If you're living and breathing and God is speaking to your heart, then there's a place for you on our team. June 17th through the 25th of 2024. You need to sign up by the end of this year and uh, by the end of December to be able to be on the team. And we invite you all to come tonight at 5 o'clock, find out all kinds of stuff about the trip. Can you say amen? amen. Now, um, how many of you have heard of Starbucks? Anybody here? Starbucks hates us. And I'll tell you why. Because we have better coffee than them. 
Our coffee is from the Dominican Republic. It's like gold. You can taste it out in the foyer on our table. My wife, would you stand up, baby, and just wave to everybody? There she is. That's my wife, Debbie. And uh, 47 years this year. Hallelujah. 47 years of marriage, and we, 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 we love being around each other once in a while. No, no, all the time. I'm sorry, I'm getting crazy here. Well, listen, um, we invite you to stop by our table, get a prayer card. Please try our coffee. We've probably got 20 bags of coffee left for sale, and that helps us to, to, to put fuel in the motor coach. Did you see the motor coach out there? Let me tell you, we didn't buy that. We didn't steal it. <laughs> We, we didn't buy it. We didn't steal it. In fact, we had a motor coach that somebody donated to us when we first started the ministry 23 years ago. And I left my church that I planted and pioneered and pastored for 20 years. And we moved out to do something that we've never done before, to go to a country that we've never been in before. And, and, and that's it, man. We had no clue. We were clueless. We were clueless of anything outside of the four walls of our church. And, uh, and I've learned a lot over these years. But I'll I, I tell you, God knows what we have need of before we even ask. How many of you know? And, and God knew um, that we needed a motor coach. And God gave us a motor coach that only had 20,000 miles on it. And we drove the wheels off that thing. And, and we put 450,000 miles on it over the period of 19 years. And, or 18 years, and it got to the point where it was in really bad shape. In fact, we were told we couldn't take it out on the road because it was a danger to us and everybody else on the road. So um, it was breaking down like crazy, and a man um, that came alongside of us and said, you know what, you, you need, you, you, what are you going to do? How are you going to do your services? How are you going to pick up medicine and medical supplies? That's what we put in that trailer that's out there. And uh, I, I said, I don't know, but God's got a plan. Right now, I just have 272 people in the Dominican Republic. I'm going to focus on that. He said, when we get home, we're going to talk. I said, okay, sure, fine. We got home. Make a long story short, that man went out and bought the ministry that motor coach. Come on. Come on, give him praise. And you know, the man can't give enough, away, enough money away because you know what, God? You can't outgive God. Say you can't outgive God. But you sure can try. And that's what he does. And God keeps blessing him. And that's just a message to all of us. Never limit what God can do through you. And you may say, I can't do too much. You know what? Whatever you can do, do. And watch what God does as a, res as a result of it. You know, little is much in his hands. Come on. Come on. I, I, could, I could change my message this morning. I'm feeling it. But I, I don't want to do that. I just want to let you know that we'd love to have you on our trip. And we'd love to see you in, uh, in the... Cafe? In the cafe at 5 o'clock tonight, we'll give you all the information on what's happening with Hope International and how you can be a part of the team. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you, Father, for what you are going to do in this service. We thank you, Father, for your presence in this place. We ask, God, that you would shake this place, shake this house, we pray, God, from the roof to the floor, from the east to the west, from the north to the south. We're asking, God, that you would permeate us with your spirit that literally sets captives free, oh God. And thank you, Jesus, right now for what you're going to do in us and through us as we wait upon you with a spirit of expectation in the mighty name of Jesus Christ we pray and everyone said amen amen Amen. well listen your pastor is an unusual and an extraordinary individual I don't say that because I'm here travel all over the world I preach in churches we preached in one church in Louisiana this year in August that had 20 people in it we had a blast It was a new church plant. It was only a month old. And we got to be the first missionary evangelist to preach in that church back in the bayou. And we had a blast. We did not roast an alligator for dinner, lunch. We we just had a great time. And uh, but we've been in churches of 10,000 and um, I've preached crowds of 22,000 in India I'm saying all that to say this, that you have extraordinary pastors that you can thank God for here. Uh, There are a few things that I can accurately say about Pastor Ed as I've gotten to know him a little bit more over the last few days. We've been, it's been since 2015 since I've been here. But the one thing that I found out is that he's innovative. He's a worshiper. You can see that just by watching him. He's a lover of missions, which is incidentally the very heart of the Father because evangelism is what the kingdom is all about and evangelism missions is just evangelism across the seas. He's a lover of people. He's a student of the word, I can tell you that right now. He's an outdoorsman who deeply loves his family. And as he drove us around uh, Baltimore and Dundalk the other day, Uh, he's pastored here in the area for more than 27 years, and it's very clear to me that he deeply loves this community and this area and this city. He loves you. (laughs) Pastor Ed is a man of great faith. And listen, you can't accomplish what he's accomplished here without being a visionary. Pastor Ed is a visionary. You see, by definition, a visionary is one who can envision the future, one who has unusual powers of foresight. And here's the definition that I love so much from a secular dictionary that I find so intriguing. A visionary is a person given to fanciful speculations and enthusiasms with little regard for what is actually possible. Sounds like a definition of a person of faith to me. This book is filled with stories of individuals who are given to fanciful speculations and enthusiasms with giving little regard to what is actually possible. People like Nehemiah rebuilding the wall. Everyone said it couldn't be done. Boom, he did it. Noah building the ark. I mean, the man built a battleship out of gopher wood in the middle of the desert almost by himself with only a Q-tip and duct tape. Well, that might not be accurate, but sounds good anyways. 
Joshua marching around Jericho. You know the story, 20 foot wide walls, three stories high, tells everybody to march around the walls of that city three, uh, six times, and on the seventh, you're gonna let God down, out a shout and the walls are gonna t- come tumbling down. Can you imagine a pastor telling his congregation that today? I'd look at him cross-eyed. David slaying Goliath. Peter and John at the gate beautiful saying to the lame man, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Lame man got up, he was healed instantly, and he began to walk. Let me say it again. I am so grateful and thankful to God for men and women who are given to fanciful speculations and enthusiasm with little regard for what is actually possible. Now, The definition of vision is this, sight, the ability to see, the formation of a mental image of something that is not perceived as real and is not present to the sentences. See, Hebrews 11.1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Therefore, someone who is a visionary is one whose faith has become sight. And that's the message this morning. When faith becomes sight. Now church, it's possible to admire a visionary like Pastor Ed. It's possible to support a visionary. It's possible to come to church with a visionary. It's possible to learn from a visionary and still not have caught the vision that God has for your own life. Perhaps hurdles in your life have kept you from believing in the vision that God has planted, that seed that is planted deep down in your heart. Listen, I'm more convinced than ever before after all that our world is facing today, after all that's going on in the Middle East, after all that COVID brought to our ministries around the world, including ours, that something supernatural is about to happen. You see, the things that the enemy has sent to discourage us encourages us. You see, from my past experiences, I recognize that Satan wouldn't be fighting us like he is if we were not on the verge, the very precipice of something extraordinary happening in our lives and in our ministries. You see, if we're not careful, friends, we can come to church. I'm getting excited here. Is that all right? if, If we're not careful, we can come to church and become cheerleaders of the successes of other people while failing to understand that God has a vision. He has a plan. He has a purpose. And he has a destiny for your life, too. And he wants you to be successful in fulfilling that destiny that he has for your life. You see, God has placed things in your life. You see, if you will dare to dream about the things that he has placed in your heart and your life, things that others are afraid to believe God for, I believe he'll do it. I believe he'll do it. Isaiah was a dreamer. I love dreamers. I love dreamers. I'm not going to go. Yeah, I got to go there. I love football. I'm from Michigan. The Big Ten champions. Okay, so one of my favorite movies is is Rudy. Have you ever seen Rudy? 
the priest is in, he's teaching the class, and Rudy's daydreaming, and he comes over and starts chastising Rudy's and Rudy's. You know, dreamers go nowhere. And he slams Rudy's papers shut. Listen, Isaiah was a dreamer. I love dreamers. Isaiah was a prophet. He was a visionary. He's referred to by theologians as the eagle-eyed prophet because of his keen discernment and his innate ability to see long distance with great detail while describing the things that are yet to come to pass. Read Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. It says in the, in the year that King Uzziah died, and I did some study, I found out he was 52 years old when that happened. Oh, Lord, to be 52 again. <laughs> he says, I saw the, the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. You see, Isaiah had a propensity to walk in the realm of the spirit more than to regard the circumstances of his present time. Why? Because Isaiah understood that seeing God causes you to become more like him. Man, we could camp out there, couldn't we? Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. And because Isaiah saw the Lord, he wanted to become more like him. Now that was my introduction. If you're taking notes, point number one is this. He was focused on where he was going more than on where he was. You see, God isn't concerned as much about where you are right now in your spiritual life as he is about where you're going in your spiritual life. Isaiah was a visionary. When you consider this moment that he was called to minister and how this moment occurred in such a powerful way, friends, that it set off a domino effect that determined the rest of his days because he had an encounter with God at an early age. Parents, listen to me. The earlier you can learn the power of a vision, the earlier that your faith can become sight. Let me say that again. The earlier you can learn the power of a vision, the earlier that your faith becomes sight. And the longer you can operate in it, and the more that you can do because of it. What do you mean? What I mean is, is I wish I knew 30 years ago what I know today. Isaiah was a visionary. Incredible. And he proves to us that everybody needs a vision. Now, my son Jeremiah, at the age of four, in the back seat of our station wagon, that tells you how long ago that was, he picked up the Bible one day and he declared as we're driving down the road, when I get Oh, I'm going to grow up, I'm going to read this book, and I'm going to preach God's word. And today, he's a pastor in Warrington, Virginia. Yes! You see, people, we need to teach our children about vision. Little Sally, Sue, George, and Eddie. Man, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, they give you some wild explanation of something that you don't think is even possible. Listen, don't dash their dreams upon the rocks of life. 
Don't kick them into the ditch. Listen, we need to let our children dream and have visions. Too many parents today are absent without leave. They play sports and school dances and their kids' friends, and there's nothing with, wrong with any of those friends until the parents make them priorities above that of exposing your children to being in the presence of God to feeding their children a steady inflow of the word of God and faith, to teaching and encouraging them at an early age that God needs to be the priority of their lives and that God has a plan for their lives. Let me say it again. The earlier they can learn the power of a vision, the earlier their faith becomes sight, the longer they can operate in it, and the more they can do because of it. You see, there are some here today that need to hear this word from the Lord expounded and declared because some of you are so close to what God wants to do in your life, you just need a little kick in the, I mean, a little motivation. Someone to encourage you on. Maybe you're watching via live stream. Well, I'm here to encourage you, to push you a little bit because some of you are so close to the vision that God has given you for your life becoming a reality that you can smell it. Listen, friends, don't give up. I said, don't give up. And don't spend your life looking back at the past. Looking back at the last three years can become incredibly depressing. Thinking about where you've been, what you've gone through, or what you have done. That's so foolish and discouraging to do. Please get this into your heart and life this morning. Looking back will always kill your future hopes and dreams. Leviticus chapter 6, verse 10 through 13. The Lord spoke to Moses, commanding the priest. That's who you and I are. 1 Peter 2, 9 tells us that we are a royal priesthood. That's us. He says, God spoke to Moses, commanding the priest. He said, take the ashes of the burnt offering, which the fire has consumed, off the altar and carry them out. There's a reason for that. Because they represent that which is old, that which is used up, that which has no value. God says, carry them out. Carry out your past victories. You know, all these videos that you saw, they're of past victories. But they aren't going to get us through tomorrow. We, his mercies are new every morning. Can you say amen? amen? We need victories every day. Carry out those past victories so God can do a new victory in your life. Carry out the past defeats. Man, I carry, I, I, I experienced those times, those defeats. Perhaps you fell short of your goals last year. Maybe you experienced some discouragement, some, some struggles. Join the crowd. We all did, friends. Thing is, we can't camp out there. I said we can't camp out there. We need to carry out the ashes of the past. Carry them out. Why? Because they hold no value. Ashes will hold you back and will literally snuff out, choke out any chance of a new flame in your life. Then he commands the priest to put fresh wood upon the altar, a new offering, so the perpetual fire shall burn on the altar of your heart and never go out. Granted, Lord, we need a fresh fire on our hearts every day. Hallelujah. Vision is critically important because, number two, anything that affects your vision will impair your mobility. Let me say it again. Anything that affects your vision will impair your mobility. He said, what are you talking about? Well, Debbie and I flew into Indi Indianapolis one, one, one week, 
and um, the IU Health System, Indianapolis um, University Health System, requested that we come and meet with them. So we flew up instead of driving the motor coach. That old thing was so broken down, I didn't know if it would even make it. So we flew up and we stayed with a pastor in Indianapolis. He's a dear friend, he's on our board of directors, tremendous man of God. And he said, Kurt, he says, I got a, I got a room, I got a bedroom, I got a bathroom, guest room, you can use that, no problem. Well, <clears throat> here's the problem. I'm an early person. I'm a morning person. Do we have any morning people here? Yes. You're my tribe. All right. Just want to let you know. See, I like to get up, whether I like it or not, at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. Okay, maybe you're not that early of a morning person. Maybe your morning, that morning person inside of you is more aligned with my wife, who is an 8 o'clock person. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so this, this, is, this presents a problem for a guy that lives with my wife in an 8 by 40 foot box on wheels. When I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, where do I go? So I, 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 I have a little bit of energy in me. I know I'm old, but I got some energy left. And so I, I'm like, I'm, I'm moving her. I can't, I can't wake her up. If I wake her up, I'm a dead man. I mean, I'm in trouble. So what happens is, is I, I've learned how to slip out of bed without her knowing that I just got up. And I slip out into the other room, close the door to the bedroom, and I make my coffee, I have my devotions, and I answer my emails, and then I do my Facebook thing, you know? And then by 8 o'clock, she's up, and she's going, you know? So at this pastor's house, I wake up at 4 a.m. I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I got to slide out of the bed. So I slid out of bed. And I go into the bathroom, and I'm going to get ready for my, my day, you know? Well, in the motor coach, everything's in there. We pack it once. We've been on the road for five months now. This is our last service of the year. So, I mean, next week this time, I'll be in the Dominican Republic. So here I am with... Uh, with our motor coach and everything's in there. I don't have to worry about anything, but at this pastor's house, I was lucky to remember to bring my razor. Seriously. And so now I'm in the bathroom. I'm turning on the shower. I got it to the temp. And the last thing I did was take off my glasses. And I slip into the shower. Water's everywhere. I'm just like, going to be a great day. Oh, I don't have any soap. <laughs> and so here I am now, you know, reaching into the four corners of the tub, looking to see if there's a bar, a stray bar of soap anywhere. There's no soap anywhere. There's nothing. There's no shampoo. There's no bottles or nothing. So I'm thinking, okay, in the Dominican Republic, in a, in a hotel, they've got, they've got these three canisters on the side of the wall of the shower. One of them is shampoo, one of them is conditioner, and one of them is body wash. So I, I'm thinking, well, maybe he's got that. So I'm like... And I finally, here's the shower head, and I finally feel this... The, all right, yes, there's something right there 
underneath the head of the shower. And I'm feeling around, and I'm kind of looking, trying to see what it is. And I see a button. I push the button. It starts blinking, and it goes beep, 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 beep. And you know, when, when it stopped beating, beeping, all of a sudden I hear this, and it's spraying this liquid out, okay, in a fan. I mean, so I just went like this. And it's just spraying all over me. And I'm thinking, you know, that's, this doesn't smell like soap. So I, I, I rinse off. It stops. I rinse off. I get out of the shower. I, 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 I dry myself off, put my glasses on. I look in, and it says, scrubbing bubbles, automatic shower cleanser. Okay, I smelled like chemicals, but I was clean. (laughs) What are you trying to say? Taking off my glasses affected my vision. And my mobility was impaired. Going through life without spending time in his word and and in prayer every day will affect your vision and impair your mobility, friends. For in Kings, 1 Kings 18, verse 42 through 45, after Elijah had the showdown with 450 prophets of Baal, we see Israel totally paralyzed by a three-year drought. Isaiah, Elijah, he climbs up to the top of Mount Carmel, and it's a beautiful place there, majestic, and, and it was there that Elijah confronted the drought that was taking place. Listen, if you get nothing else, please get this this morning. God cannot fix what you will not face. I said, God will not fix what you cannot face. Is anyone listening in the house? You see, what you refuse to confront has your permission to continue. The Latin word to confront is a very positive word. As I studied this, it means to face something frontally or literally to turn your face towards something. We've given confrontation a negative connotation. We see it as adversarial, like going to war or going to battle with someone, when really it means we're going to turn and face the issue. I'll tell you what, Pastor, I know you've run into this when you've talked to people and they say, you tell them to pray about it, you tell them to do something, and they say, well, I'm just going to let God handle it. What? Are you serious? Show me in the word where it says that. Friends, the word of God is confrontational. Follow its example. Do not be a passive bystander in your own spiritual life and in the spiritual lives of your children. Parents, you know what's going on in your family. You know what's going on in your kids' lives. Confront your children. Oh, but that will upset them. I'll, I'll, I'll use the word that my grandson, he's 13 years old, says when he doesn't get something. He goes, are you kidding me? <laughs> be the parent. God didn't call you to be your children's friends. He called you to be their parent. Parent them. Because if you don't confront them, the powers of darkness will. 
Oftentimes, people deny dealing with things in their lives, expecting God to take care of it, in spite of the fact that you're the one that's ignoring what needs to be confronted. This drought wasn't going to end. Elijah knew it. He knew it wasn't going to end without the intervention of confrontation. Elijah was a visionary, so he saw it, and he faced the problem, people. Get this, friends. Visionaries can see the possibilities of what others have already declared impossible. Because their faith has become sight. God's not calling us to walk around and be weird. God's calling us to be the church and be real. Elijah goes to the top of Mount Carmel. His servant accompanies him. Elijah gets down in the birthing position. He begins to pray. He tells his servant to go look towards the sea and come back and tell him what he sees. The servant does as he's commanded, and he returns with the report. There is nothing. Elijah said, go look again. This happens six times. And six times the servant comes back and says, there is nothing. But on the seventh time... He saw a cloud the size of a man's hand coming out of the sea. Come on, one stinking little cloud? But the man of God, the visionary whose faith had become sight, he could see what no one else could see. You see, if we can see the invisible, you can do the impossible. That's what Elijah did. He didn't see a small cloud the size of a man's hand coming out of the sea, he saw a thunderbuster through the eyes of faith. Listen, friends, the vision you see is but a commercial of what God is about to do in your life. God gave me a vision for an orphanage, for a Christian school, for an ambulatory surgical center in the Dominican Republic. We're getting close to seeing that become a reality. You mean you've been holding on all these years? Absolutely, because God gave me a vision. He showed me something. You see, you've got to see it through eyes of faith because vision without faith is like a picture without a promise. Five years ago, we had these three ladies come into our clinic. They were led by other people because they were totally blind. Well, they had cataracts. You couldn't see the color in their eyes. They were totally blind, totally whited over. So they had to be let in. We couldn't do anything for them. Here in the United States, it's a simple one-hour operation to have those cataracts removed. We couldn't do that. So we took him into the prayer room where we see all kinds of miracles. This year we saw 178 medical miracles by the hand of God confirmed by our, our doctor. Can you say amen? He, he's still a God of miracles. So they laid hands on him and began to pray for him. Now they were all lined up, one behind the other, and each one had their hand on the shoulder of the one in front of them. Simply because they couldn't see, they wanted to stay in line. And so they laid hands on the first person, began to pray. They all started crying and weeping. And then the first one opened their eyes, and the white was gone. She could see clearly, and she goes, Gloria, Dios, I can see, I can see. All in Spanish, okay? And the other ones are like, well, if she can see... They opened their eyes, and they all could see. So they're all having a party in there, 
And I see these people coming out, and they're all rejoicing, and there's nobody helping them. They're walking on their own. They went back to the eye doctor. The eye doctor checked out their site. 2020, they walked home to their village on their own power. The people in the village wanted to know what kind of magic we were doing. It ain't magic. It's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Can you say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, their loss of vision impaired their mobility. That day, their faith became sight. We're living in a today in history in a humanistic, amoral society without any absolutes. And if we're going to be successful, friends, at reaching our families, our communities, our nation, and this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, then our faith must become sight. Faith must become sight if we're ever going to accomplish what God has called us to do in this world. Then we've got to see what others cannot see. But listen, that's not going to happen if you just come to church and get your praise on. Getting on my soapbox now. If you just come to get your praise on, then you're wasting your faith. See, Jesus didn't die on the cross so you could get high on church. There are people out there that I see across the nation, they have a junkie's mentality using the power of God to come and get high in church. And while there's nothing wrong with celebrating Jesus, come on. There's nothing wrong with celebrating Jesus. My struggle is that as I travel, I see people focusing more on getting high on church instead of getting the gospel out to the uttermost parts of the earth, to people who don't even know who Jesus is. Well, that's not my problem. Yes, it is, because you are your brother's keeper. The book says so. Don't be like folks who use their faith as a crutch instead of as a pathway to conquer. Jesus commanded us, go into all the world and make disciples. Somebody shout amen. amen. I'm winding down. promise you, because my wife is going to give me that bottle of water that's right next to her. I don't know why I keep forgetting that to bring it up. Thank you, my dear. Thank you so much. Can you just look the other way? You see, the faith I believe in empowers you. The faith I believe in motivates you. The faith I believe in stimulates you and it empowers us to reach the world with the compassion of Christ. To be able to see clearly is truly an incredible gift, friends, along with prayer, one of our most secret, our secret weapons that is not carnal but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. I remember my first missions experience I went to Africa, Burkina Faso, West Central Africa. It used to be Upper Volta. And um, I went there, and the, the capital city, Ouagadougou, a real place. And it was Ouagadougou. Yes, it was, whatever that means to you. And so I preached in a sanctuary that was kind of like, just, just kind of like rectangle. And it would probably be as much space as this. And uh, there's about 3,000 people in it, two to 3,000 people in it. And more than three, 400 people got saved that day, Muslims. They were all hanging inside the window listening. And then at the end of the service, they started ringing a bell. And I looked, and I could see out the little window over here that it was a tire rim with no tire on it. 
And they had it hanging from a tree and they were hitting it with a piece of metal. And it was ringing out through the whole community. And people started pouring into the church. I'm like, what? Abel, what is going? My, my, my translator's name was Abel. I said, Abel, what in the world is this? He said, oh, we are going to start the healing service now. And I'm like, am I supposed to do this? Should I have prepared for this? He said, oh, no. We are just going to watch and watch God heal people. Okay. So they started bringing this guy down the middle aisle. And, and this guy was an old man. He had hair that was this long. He had a beard that was this long. He was all, I mean, totally whited out. Have any of you seen Lord of the Rings? Did you ever see Gandalf in white? That's what this guy looked like. He looked like Gandalf. For those of you that haven't seen Lord of the Rings, he looked like ZZ Top with all white hair. Okay, that's another way to say it. Long gown, you know, long, long robe down to the ground. And, and he's coming down, but his, white, his eyes were completely whited out. He was blind as a bat. He couldn't see anything. So there's two guys on each side of him guiding him down the middle aisle. So I looked at Abel and I said, Abel, are we going to pray for this old man to get his sight back? Are we going to pray for him to be healed so he can see? And he goes, no. I thought I've committed the unpardonable sin. I didn't know what happened. He says, this is the man that God uses to heal the sick. I'm like, okay, that'll mess with some people's theology, huh? I said, how does he do that, Abel? He said, God shows him supernaturally a vision of the people he's to pray for. And everyone that he prays for has been healed. Come on, people. That's crazy. That is just crazy. You see, the thing is, is that faith isn't about what you can see in the natural. It's all about what God shows you in the supernatural. I love Christmas. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. And here it is out there. It's just rain. I'm glad we don't have to shovel it. Amen. You can have snow after we leave today. All right. And we head south. But listen, I love Christmas. And my wife loves every Christmas special. We have been on the road since August. Okay. Ooh. And my life has been one trial after another. As my wife faithfully turns on the Hallmark Channel. I mean, you've seen one Hallmark movie, you have seen them all. They all end up, the guy gets the girl and they live happily ever after. Boom, done. And it's all Christmas since August on. It's all Christmas. And I'm like so thankful to God I have a TV in the back. And I can go back there and watch hunting movies. Yes, Michigan Outdoors. Now you're talking good stuff. But there is one Christmas special that I love to watch when it's on. It's called, Tim, it's called, uh, it's called Santa Claus. 
And you all know who plays Santa Claus, Tim Allen. Have you seen that? Tim Allen is my guy. You know, exactly. So, I mean, Tim Allen is from Detroit. And, of course, he's the, the star of Tool Time. And I really identify with Tim Allen because whenever I pick up a power tool, I end up in the hospital. It's not a joke. Just watch, follow me on Facebook. I mean, you know, it's, I, when I'm in the hospital, people say, what did you do this time? I said, listen, I'm okay. I'm just here recruiting more people for our next missions trip. I got this down. So Tim Allen is now the new Santa Claus in the first movie. And he's up at the North Pole, and he's in the palace of Santa Claus's palace, standing on the balcony. It's now his palace because he's the new Santa Claus, if you watch the movie. And behind him is Judy the Elf. I know everybody in this movie. <laughs> Judy the Elf is standing right behind him, and he's like, I, I still don't, I don't get it. This is... It can't be. I'm, I'm looking down, and I'm seeing a polar bear down there directing traffic. I see it, but I don't believe it. Judy the Elf says the most theologically correct thing that you'll ever find coming out of Hollywood. She says, seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. You're all going to watch for that, aren't you? It's the truth. She said, Believing is seeing. So here it is, friends. Your experience isn't lining up with the promise God gave you years ago. When I believe in my heart the vision that God has given me for the Dominican Republic, I'm not going to be persuaded by a better argument by anybody. You're wasting your time. Because when I look at Isaiah, I see he was focused on where he was going more than on where he was. And anything that affects your vision will impair your mobility. And God cannot fix what you will not face. Thank God for men and women today who are given to fanciful speculations and enthusiasms with little regard for what is actually possible. Could our musicians come? Listen, I, I got to tell you to you, That there are things that come, we come across in our lives that blur our vision. We come into our, we give our, give our lives to Christ. He cleans us, he sets us free, and then we pick things up along the way. Yeah, everybody has a different word for them. Some call them obstacles. Some call them junk. You know what the Bible calls them? Sin. It's just the way it is. Bible says it's sin. When sin comes into your life, it blurs your vision of the one who lived and died for you. And you can't see him like Isaiah saw him. And your life isn't being changed for the better like it did for Isaiah. Things become cooler and cooler and cooler in our life, in our spiritual life. 
And somewhere along the line, if we don't get rid of that thing that's blurring our vision, and impairing our mobility will fall out of relationship with the one that we're celebrating during this season, Jesus. And this morning, I'm going to ask you, we're all friends here. Are we all friends? Are we, are we the same family? Are we? Are we? We are the same family. We're the same family. I'm your brother now, whether you like it or not. You know, everybody has family that they'd rather not hang around with, right? Maybe I'm that guy. Okay, so what? The bottom line is this. I don't ask you to bow your heads or close your eyes because we're in this together. There's never an army that advances unless they're unified. And the church must be unified against the powers of darkness. And we've got to have each other's back. And so we're family, and we do that as family. Just came from Staten Island. Let me tell you what, those Italians, they stick together. We need to stick together. And the Bible says that when one cries or sorrows, the whole body sorrows. But when one rejoices, the whole body rejoices. That's because we're family. So I don't ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. I don't ask you to tell me what you're going through or what you need to get rid of. That's obscuring your vision of the one who lived and died for you. But I'm here today because some of you need to get rid of those things. And you're not going to unless you're confronted. And when you're confronted, those things have your permission to continue if you don't deal with it. Are you following me? So this morning, I'm going to simply ask you on the count of three, if there are things in your lives that are obscuring your vision of Jesus, sin that needs to be dealt with, and you recognize it because the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart right now, the greatest blessing that I could receive today in this service is to be able to leave here today knowing that you didn't turn your face away from it, but you turned your face towards it, and you confronted your own sin, and you got victory over it today. So on the count of three, if that's you, I don't, I don't want to know what it is. Nobody else wants to know what it is. But God wants to know, are you willing to confront it so you can see me? So you can see me clearly. So your mobility will not be impaired in me. If you understand what I'm talking about, you know what needs to be dealt with and confronted in your own life. On the count of three, if you're ready to confront it and overcome it, I want you to stand to your feet. One, two, three. Wherever you are, just stand to your feet. Come on, come on. Don't worry about what anybody thinks. They need to deal with their own life. Amen. Amen. Now, if you're standing to your feet, praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for being obedient.
But now I'd like you to walk down to this altar. Come on. I want to pray over you this morning before we leave. Come on. Just walk on down. Come on. Walk on down. This is the greatest season. Come on. Give the Lord praise. Amen. Amen. Just come on down. Come on down if that's you. Come on. Come on down. Come on down. There's lots of room over here. Come on over here. I'll be over here too. Come on. Come on, friends. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs>